Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 298 with a review of Edge of Tomorrow. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys, I think I need to reset. I think, yes, yes. Here, let me pull out my gun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so this week we are talking about Edge of Tomorrow, based on the book All You Need Is Kill. This is a film that I know I have been super excited to see. What about you guys? I was looking forward to it, for sure. I'm always looking forward to the next uh, Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, for me, I can't, I can't say. I think if I'd only seen the trailer and the fact that it was Tom Cruise, I would have been iffy, because Oblivion didn't really rub me the right way <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you mean those droids didn't give you pleasure yeah, it, well, well i mean oblivion was an example of a like big blockbuster-ish movie with his huge you know star presence that just didn't go anywhere like just kind of meandered yeah um Maybe meander is the wrong word. There were explosions and stuff, but it just didn't, like, have a driving narrative. Well, it, that, it did kind of meander because, you know, he was supposed to, you know, patrol certain zones, but sometimes he had to meander out of those zones into these quarantine zones to do some stuff, so. I get, okay, so he meandered. Yeah, his character was literally <laughs> meandering around yeah. the earth. Yeah, uh, okay. He was like a true. lost soul. Anyway, if I were to just see the trailer in a vacuum, then... It would have been like a big question mark kind of of do I care about this? I don't know. I, I've been burned before. But the moment, like the trailer in combination with a few early reviews coming out, being pretty positive about it, made me very excited because the premise is definitely one that if done well would be awesome <laughs> to see. Yeah. And, and am I the only one in this group that has read All You Need Is Kill? I think so. Yes. Okay, cool. And I did. But I've seen Groundhog Day. Yeah, so have I. So. <laughs> so, so basically, you know what you're I'm covered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that scene in, uh, in Groundhog Day with, with aliens was pretty, pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but no, I actually, uh, oddly enough, I, I re-listened to the audiobook for All You Need Is Kill just uh, Thursday before going to the, to the screening. And also, that Tuesday had just rewatched Oblivion. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm totally prepared for this movie. So were you were you screaming at yourself like, "Who are you?" <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> that that still every time I see like when I when I got to that part in the movie, I was like kind of g- trying to giggle to myself because <laughs> I, I watched it with a group of people and like everybody else would have been like, "What is wrong with you?" There's nothing funny about what just happened. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's it is funny though how like all those lines like stick out from we, we were just talking uh we were talking before we started recording about a line which has escaped my head now as i'm trying to bring it up as an example oh the the line from uh, devil oh yeah devil the, the, turn on the lights! <laughs> um but like it, it's just funny how like these different uh these different pieces of dialogue which aren't technically supposed to be that important necessarily like become these defining lines in the back of my head it, they're films. not important yeah. at all it's just like the way people say them in the, no but they, the way I, they're it, cut into the trailer yeah well, well but this movie also if i'm not mistaken one of the most uh memorable lines of dialogue never makes it into the film what right line is that uh it has to do with i'm not a soldier of course you're not you're a weapon true doesn't she says this and it never happens in the movie they never even remotely have this conversation 
I did. I don't even. I or forgot in fact, about they that. never even have a narrative device that would make that conversation make sense. <laughs> no, because he. Okay, so I think the problem is that line in the trailer is actually a combination of two lines. Because there's definitely a point in the movie where he's talking to uh, General What's His Face, and he says like, uh, he says, "I'm not even a soldier." Like he, he basically he says some sort of line, and I think for the trailer they combined those. Um, uh, but so I, I think that the pieces of those lines do happen in the film, but they weren't one sentence. Eh, I don't know. I was waiting. <laughs> I, I was waiting. Was really I never waiting heard her say, it. "Of course not, you're a weapon." Well, it was never, like uh, ever, ever. Prince of Persia, the Ben Kingsley line that we all love uh, was never in the movie. Time will erase everything. <laughs> that was never in the movie. Like that pissed me off. I was like, "That's the best line." Well, e- either way, for me, Stephen, the the more important line than, uh, of course, not your weapon is. Come find me when you wake up. Because that's like yeah. the whole conceit of the film is that one person is aware of what is happening to the other person. Yeah. Very inceptiony. And, and that <laughs> was in the film. That was definitely in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So one book reader here, uh, and two non. And one fan of Oblivion to non, is that safe to say? I liked Oblivion. Okay. Just St- Steven uh, was the only one that really hated on Oblivion. I, I, I didn't really hate it. I just, like I've said before, I nothinged it. Like, I couldn't remember it, like, two hours later, basically. I mean, I, it was just completely bland to I, me. I see what you're saying. I mean, it definitely is not the strongest film. And I think that in our review of it, uh, Chris and I, we mentioned that yeah, the story wasn't all that, but the visuals and Tom Cruise's performance were holding and, it together. And, and the sound design is yeah, the, awesome the, in that movie. The drones are really cool. Like all the design and the look of it was like, except the script design. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the production value though was definitely uh, superior. Yeah, no, it was, it was a well-made movie. But yeah. to me, in in my mind, a well-made movie that is boring is like the worst offense because they had so much money and so much production <laughs> capabilities and then they just falter on the basic parts of it yeah so, i mean i felt like there was enough to balance it out i can more forgive a low budget indie flick where it doesn't quite make sense than i can a like massive multi-million dollar sensation where the plot doesn't go anywhere so so i guess if i if i could uh, boil down steven's comments into like one tight sentence that will define his thoughts on the film basically the filmmakers and the film writers were not an effective team yes yes that is correct call back to the film for anybody who's seen it are you an effective team we are an effective team (laughs) (laughs) you know what Uh, sorry i don't not memorable enough for me to remember callbacks (laughs) (laughs) that's like the whole thing that is i know i know we are an effective team when you called it a callback then i got it gotcha (laughs) gotcha when i literally called it back (laughs) you were able to get the callback (laughs) all right well (laughs) before we become less of an effective team what do you say we go ahead and take a listen to the trailer for Edge of Tomorrow. Would it be funny? Sorry, sorry, I'm interjecting. I was just imagining, wouldn't it be great if it was Tom Cruise? And, uh, uh, damn it, why Uh-oh. did I just lose her name? Blanking. I hate this. Which one? I hate this so much. You, his, uh, is this his Oblivion ex- callback again? Or? His wife, uh, ex wife. Nicole Kidman? Katie Dawson's Holmes? Creek. Katie Holmes. Yeah, Katie Holmes. If. <laughs> Yeah, okay. The, this joke is going nowhere. I was imagining him looking at her and saying, like, we are no longer an effective team. And that's how they got divorced. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh...
<laughs> but I was about two minutes and twenty stutters too late. So <laughs> we'll, we'll just move on. <laughs> that was that was the point that I should have taken out my pistol and shot you in the head. Yeah, just, just, you should have shot yourself and then reset. I mean, reset. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> now that Stephen is interrupting uh, interrupting me for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a look at the trailer for Edge of Tomorrow and then come back and give you our full review. I'm going to tell you a story. At first, it's going to sound ridiculous. But the longer I talk... We have to find the keys. The more rational it's going to appear. I can't believe you found coffee. Sugar, right? Yeah. Hold on. Three. You like three. How many times have we been here? How many times? For me, it's been an eternity. This is not the end. The invasion will fail. We lose everything. This is not the end. I die within five minutes of landing on that beach, along with every other soldier. Get down! How did you do that? Come on! Come find me when you wake up! You do know what's happening to me. What happened to you happened to me. You hijacked their power. How do I control it? You have to die. Every day. Keep coming here and I'll train you. Again, again. Your leg's broken. No, I'm good. Then we better start over. Oh, come on. I'm not a soldier. Of course you're not. You're a weapon. They want to conquer the rest of the world. Unless you change the outcome. We are not equipped for what's out there. How many times have we been here? What are you not telling me? It's gonna be dark in a few hours. And curl up by the fire and open a bottle of wine. We should just reset. Whoa! All right, so that was the trailer for Edge of Tomorrow. In this story, we have these really nasty alien thingamajiggers that are just kind of just like laying waste to humans. And, uh, you know, this like really uh, young and in, in, uh, in, I almost said ineffective. I got like that we are not an effective team stuck in my head. But basically this soldier who is not really a soldier, he's sort of just a guy who goes around promoting war. Uh, he gets thrown into this battle and uh, let's just say that it doesn't work out too well for him. But whoa, what the hell? Groundhog Day style, he is awake again the day before the battle, and he has to figure out what is going on and what he can do with this new, we'll call it power of his, and see if he can help the humans win the war against these aliens, who are pretty deadly and pretty nasty. So, Carson, what did you think of this film? Uh, Well, I'll, uh, I'm going to make a possibly bold statement by saying uh, I think this is the, uh, the summer movie to beat. I think that uh, far and away, 
<laughs> no pun intended, Tom Cruise reference, that <laughs> this is um, this is the best summer movie uh, for my money. Like I I I was completely uh, surprised by how uh, energetic and and fun it is, and it's it's just very entertaining all around. I think that it's cool that you know we're getting this uh, this movie you know, in the middle of summer, you know, in the midst of all these big sequels and, and, and comic book movies that you're used to seeing. And I, I think it's sort of a breath of fresh air that we're getting this uh, movie that has a really cool concept. And yeah, it's something that that's been utilized before in other movies and other sci-fi movies, but the way that it's done here, I think is, uh, is really cool. And, um, Kudos to whoever cut the trailer for not giving away everything, but you know, just giving away just enough uh, to really kind of draw you in. But uh, like, there were a lot of things that <clears throat> I didn't wasn't expecting, uh, like from Tom Cruise's character, that surprised me because I thought the approach to, uh, to to his character was was very interesting, and it, and it kind of turned the expectations of oh like tom cruise is always you know the big hero and you know kind of turn that on its head and uh i like that i I think that movies that have you know that have our hero like be you know in fear and scared like they're always more relatable in a way you know and and, then uh Mm -hmm. I thought that in a lesser movie, the roles would be reversed, like where Tom Cruise would be like the badass like warrior dude, and then Emily Blunt would be like, "I'm a woman and I'm scared." <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I I was really glad that they they flipped that and that she was the like the badass warrior, and he was the guy who was like uh, basically a pussy. Um, so <laughs> I, I feel like she's always. Has she ever played a role where she isn't the badass half of a duo? Like, I'm trying to think of her in romantic situations, and she seems like she's always kind of a strong That's female true, because even in The Devil Wears Prada, Very she blunt. was badass. Even in, even in the five-year engagement. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she kind of has that, like, strong... Uh, like, blunt attitude. Yeah, she has the blunt attitude. <laughs> <Very nice>. Exactly. <laughs> I, I will also say that, like, that is all straight from the book. Like, in, in the... Um, in in All You Need Is Kill, it's actually a bunch of Japanese soldiers, and she is the American Special Forces person who comes in to help with this uh, attack that is taking place. Um, so that it's not like this film specifically was like we're gonna switch this up and make it this way. Like that's direct out of the book. Well, that's good because I I, I think that for the movie it translates well because I mean we're just. You know, from movie standards, we're used to seeing it the opposite way. Yeah. So uh, I, I was very surprised by that. I, I like that approach. And, uh, you know, they do enough. They handle this concept very well. Like, I think that in lesser hands, it would have gotten, like, very repetitive. But here it's repetitive in, like, a fun way. You know, it's it's edited very well. And it, it moves along very quickly. And we get, like, just enough repetition to where, you know, things become, you know, it's used as, like, jokes or or <laughs> it's used to, you know, further along the story. Uh, it, it's very, very well done. And uh, I thought that uh, the way that, you know, everything is set up, like, I thought was really cool. Like, 
it's almost like deliberately slow in the beginning so you can like catch all the stuff and then so when he dies and you know goes and relives it you're like oh okay like he's gonna tell this guy like oh you're so and so and you know this is going to happen and uh so that there was like a lot of attention to detail i thought and a lot of care that uh went to to putting this story on screen and i mean the performances are just really awesome like i I don't, I've stated before, like, I don't think I've ever disliked a Tom Cruise performance. Like, I think he always gives, like, 100% to every movie. Um, even if the movie is not good, like, I have usually, I usually like him in it, uh, in whatever character he's playing, because, I mean, he's just a presence. Like, yeah. I, in the very opening scene of this movie where he's talking to uh, Brendan Gleeson's character, like there's just something about their their interaction, like and, and the way that you know he walks in and and their conversation. Like, there's just a reason this guy was you know born to be a movie star. Like I, I just he has like a natural screen presence. And then you put in Emily Blunt, who's also a, a good screen presence, and you know she's basically being an even more badass character than she was in Looper, and. Uh, yeah, she just totally owns this role. Like, I mean, she was she was in full on like uh, Ripley mode in this movie. Like, <laughs> it definitely was uh, a great character. And um, I thought, like, of course, I really loved all the uh, like all of the effects were like really well done. Like, I I like that they combined you know the CG with a lot of like practical stuff. Like, I'm really glad that they made all the suits. Uh, actual suits like they they looked really cool like uh they kind of reminded me of like the the suits from like starship troopers mixed with like the the exosuit that uh matt damon had in elysium yeah like that's that they kind of reminded me of that but like even more ridiculously big uh but yeah like and and the aliens too like the actual design of the aliens like usually like when we get aliens in movies these days they all look the same but here they like they had a different you know quality to them, and the fact that they moved insanely fast was uh, definitely inherently frightening. Like I don't think they were quite as frightening as like the drones in Oblivion. Like I think those were like very something about them were just like cold, calculated serial killer esque. Uh, and here I think. The design of the aliens weren't as cool as the design of the drones, but they were still frightening because the fact that they moved so fast. Like it, it was kind of like when you when I watched Twenty Eight Days Later, you're like, oh man, like we're done if the zombies are yeah, that fast. Yeah. Like and and in this movie, it's the same way. It's like, yeah, we're done if the aliens move this fast and that they can, you know, uh, regenerate or you know relive the day and 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 can uh, defeat us at our battles and stuff so uh yeah that was that was pretty cool and like uh uh now i don't know where i was going i guess i should kill myself and start over uh <laughs> there's, there's gonna be a lot of killing ourselves and starting over in this episode <laughs> i think <laughs> but yeah the aliens were, were definitely cool like they 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 had like a, a unique design and um yeah and and, and how how Tom Cruise comes into the power of reliving each day was uh, also, I'm glad that they didn't sort of spoil that in the trailers. Cause I just figured it'd be like Groundhog Day where 
happens really... until he learns a valuable yeah, lesson. Yeah, like it happens until he figures out. <laughs> like there's no real explanation other than you're an asshole and you need to learn how to be better. Like that's all I was thinking of. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, badass movie. Like I, I really hope that people see it, but they apparently didn't want to go see it this weekend. But uh, I, I, I thought it was a, a very, very entertaining film. All right, Stephen, what did you think? Oh, uh, yeah. So, like I said before, I might be in the minority report here, but I found Oblivion <laughs> pretty vanilla. Uh, I thought it was a reacher at best. <laughs> but here, I think the difference was night and day. Like, making a time travel movie is risky business. <laughs> Damn. It's almost an impossible mission. Yes. Uh, but this one had all the right moves. Okay, I'm done. I'm not going to cram. I'm not going to cram anymore. Spend, I'm losing it. Did you spend all of uh, Carson's time mapping this out on paper? Like, yeah, he's yeah, like on IMDb looking at all the movies. <laughs> did you? I will neither confirm nor deny that you, that's what I was doing. I, I have a feeling he spent the last week writing an algorithm that... <laughs> Yes, exactly. Things and just combine the movies into sentences. I mean, he really just took my far and away uh, jab and and ran with it like no, Tom I mean, Cruise that's style. When I started uh, started making the sentence. You were you were running like Tom Cruise. I know. I've got all the right moves. Yeah, you got the need um, for speed. Anyway, all these movie puns aside, I I really did think like when you mess with time travel, it's more often than not going to frustrate me in a movie probably chris more so than me um (laughs) because i have this need for internal consistency and world building and blah 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 all this stuff that is not always blockbuster material um and this movie i thought totally handled it well they managed to make a really like the groundhog day references are not an accident i mean the the plot is very groundhog day-ish but also the kind of lightness that it gives to it and they make it a really fun premise uh, and I thought they did just a great job with that and and with explaining how he gets this power like I was when he woke up the first time uh, having been reset I was thinking oh great how is this going to be explained it's probably never going to be he's going to learn something blah blah it's going to be terrible <laughs> I don't know I'm just cynical when I go into a movie I guess yeah um, and then when when he talks to Emily Blunt and actually finds out how this works and what the confines are within which he has to operate. I think they just did a really, really good job with this. Um, honestly, none of the movie was boring as, as far as I'm concerned. It was all paced, like Carson said. It was edited really, really well. And the uh, the lead performances, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt, are just great. Um, supporting characters were all totally fine, too, though obviously nobody but these two people really matter too much in the movie. Yeah. Um, Everything about it, yeah, production quality was amazing. The the aliens, like Carson said, are definitely a force to be reckoned with. Uh, they do a thing where you can see them, you know, they, they show the enemy, but they move so quickly and they're s- shrouded in such kind of, uh, kind of mystery that you still keep the, uh, the suspense alive with them. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, they almost look uh, like ghosts too, which was also frightening. Yeah, definitely. And when not looking like ghosts, they looked like bushes, which freaked me out. They just blended into everything. Definitely freaked me out when I was driving by dried up bushes yesterday. (laughs) Um, I'll I'll admit it. I'll admit it. Minority Report gave me nightmares when I was younger. Uh, This this can too. But uh, anyway, it was... I almost don't even know what to say. Like, it was really well done. It has very few flaws as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the one flaw I can point to is I think the third act 
doesn't quite live up to the first two. Um, like when you finally get the big payoff of, I, I won't spoil it, but clearly this doesn't end with the world being destroyed. <laughs> I, I think that's fair <laughs> enough to say. Uh, but when you do finally get to these climactic moments, they didn't quite resonate with me the way that I felt like a movie this good building up to it should have. But that, that's a minor complaint. I mean, everything was really well done. I also thought the slowness and repetition toward the beginning, uh, it did a really good job of showing the kind of tiredness that he has to go through. Yeah. Having lived, I don't know how many days he's supposed to have lived like this, but yeah. it felt like he must have lived years doing this same thing. And they also <laughs> did an interesting thing too, where you you don't know whether what you're seeing is the first time he's done this or the 50th time he's done that yeah. particular scene because uh, it, you know it's a scene will start and you're just assuming this is a new attempt, but then a character will reference something or he'll make a reference that sounds like, oh, I've already done this too. Um, yeah. And then there's there's a few times too where like he directly references the fact that he has no idea what's going to happen because this is the first time he's tried this pattern of things. Uh-huh. Um, so they, they definitely... Even in the repetition, they're still mixing it up so that with each pass, it feels like anything could happen because you don't know exactly whether you're with him or with the audience in that moment. Definitely. And I think the the third act especially, and I won't go into spoilers, but I still am not entirely sure what had been done before and hadn't been done before. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought the conceit of that was very well executed. And the... Uh, the emotional aspect of the wear and tear that being a normal guy who has to live this day over and over and over again, uh, the fact that they give him, they give him an outlet, uh, someone else who understands what he's going through, like he has actually told them and they have some understanding, firsthand experience of it. Uh, I thought that actually added a lot to, to the emotional beats of the film, of of the fact that he could actually discuss, like, look, it's pretty hard watching the same person die a hundred times yeah um and of course tom cruise being a very good actor regardless of personal life um (laughs) he just totally nails that i mean his character has the intensity but the uh the sort of naivety of being not a soldier who's thrust into this and i thought he emoted all of that perfectly yeah um i will say so i saw this in imax 3d and I don't think you have any need to see it like that. Uh, I think as a normal 2D regular screen flick, this would have been just as good. Uh, It's really, of course, it's visually stunning, but I thought most of it is in the the plot and storyline and pacing. And uh, I don't think making it a massive, massive affair really helps it at all. But, But that's all minor. I mean, I really like this movie. Chris, how about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I like this film a lot. I mean, I I I would say I probably love this film. Um, obviously, I have the the ability to compare it to the book. Um, but I think it I think it works. Like all the things they do change from from the book. I can tell, I I can tell where that decision came from, and like and I and I understand that like hey like this this couldn't have worked this way because in the book you're inside the character's head and you need some way to communicate. Um, the difference between um, certain things. So, like in you know in the story, there are you know we'll just say some aliens that look a little bit different than other aliens. You know, in the book, they look identical, but the character himself comments on how one of them stood out 
for some reason that he can't really define and like they look like basically he, he specifically says like all the aliens look the same but for some reason this one stood out in my head and whatever um so like there, there's things like that where it's like well obviously that's you, you can't communicate on screen like <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the difference in the character's mind in perception that you can by simply changing the design of certain things to make them look different um so like things like that don't obviously they don't bother me and I, and I, I can see the decision um, behind it and like can kind of celebrate that away. Even, even in, in the, the fact of the alien designs, which I agree with you guys are really awesome. When I first read this book and I knew that it was going to be made into a movie, my biggest fear was like, there's no way they can get these aliens right at all. Even though in the book they're like, you know, in, in district nine, how they refer to them as prawns in this film, a lot of people call them toads. Um, mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of description given. Like, the only description they get is that some people call them toads and that they have four legs and a tail. And that's really all you get to describe them. And they shoot these javelin things that are like, they go like a bajillion feet per second and they're really, really deadly. Um, So they kind of had free reign to do whatever they wanted with the design of the creatures. And when that first trailer came out and I saw like, the thing jump out of the water and like flip up and twirl and spin and stuff. I was like, holy crap, like they nailed this. This is exactly what they need to present. And what they did was really smart too, because like the, the book itself, all you need is kill is not a PG 13 edge of tomorrow movie. It is hard R very violent. Like every, like every fourth page, there is a description of, uh, you know, stuff pouring out of a body that was a mix of blood oil and some other unknown fluid and like it's just it's a very violent book to the to the to the to the standpoint that like like i was surprised that this movie was getting a pg-13 rating so i was like this is like almost almost felt like tarantino needed to direct this to communicate the violence in the actual war aspect of the film um but what they did is they made the aliens themselves so uh, so quick moving and so scary that it communicated that violence, whether or not you were seeing it on screen. Um, so definitely got to celebrate them for um, getting around the lack of showing blood and gore by just creating something that is so scary on its own that you kind of don't need to see the ramifications of an attack from one. You can just assume that it is correct. Um, like you guys were saying, um, the 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 um, the way they handled the time travel and stuff like that was was definitely fun. It was it was interesting. in In the book, it's a little bit different because, um, like mechanically, it's more like X Men: Days of Future Past, where at the point of somebody dying, this tachyon pulse is sent through time and communicates the the knowledge of the events that just 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 took place back to the receiving person. And then they continue on in that day with the knowledge of the previous events. Like it's it's a weird, it's a weird distinction, but it's not quite like boom. Now I'm back in time. It's like that day technically didn't happen because now that I know how it will happen, I'll do something different. And it's this re- repeating pattern of how you that could go about. Does that distinction make di- a sense as a difference to you guys? Yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. um, I actually I like the way that they did this uh I, I thought it was pretty pretty cool i was going to say unique but then you pointed out that x-men also did it <laughs> so yeah maybe not quite so unique well i i think for me like the the big thing that they 
they didn't do this wrong, but I, I don't think they they did a good job of communicating it uh, as a strong enough point is that the, the big conceit of this story is that because you have these suits, your skill and your ability is completely cognitive. It has nothing to do with your... It, it's basically... I mean, they don't communicate that well. Yeah, they don't uh, I was actually thinking. I was thinking during the movie a few times. Okay, this can mentally you can be trained, but physically you still won't be. Uh, and it would have been nice if they communicated that. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is actually the first time I recognized why that isn't a problem. Yeah, because it, it's 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 essentially the the training room from the Matrix, where you know Morpheus is like, "Do you think that's air you're breathing?" Like it's um, your ability to fight has nothing to do with your muscles in this place like it is it, it like there's there's actually two there there are in, in the book they describe there's a there's a computer chip limiter that puts a slight imperceptible delay in the the feedback you send the device and the movement it makes because you can actually throw a punch so strong it rips your spine in half and kills you uh because mm-hmm. literally like i like I, I could get in this machine as not a a like I don't have a soldier's physique. <laughs> um, I don't get... don't sell yourself short. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I could get into one of these machines and do some serious damage because it's all the machine that does all the work. So you just have to know. So the big thing in All You Need Is Kill is that literally he can improve by leaps and bounds, um, not just in his mental willpower to be skilled, but he gets better with every single loop through this thing because... It's like, it's literally, he has, you know, like a a million battles under his belt. Um, So it's not just a, I know how the enemy is going to react. It's that I've killed so many of these by this point in time that I'm just that damn good. And, you know, you you, you do kind of get moments like that in the film where like they're just, they're so, their skill is so much better than everybody else around them. And, you know, you get little training montages and stuff like that. But I don't think it really goes to the level of communicating that like yeah like this is literally like playing a video game like if you go in and you buy the new halo game or buy titanfall your first game is not going to be as good as the game you play you know six months from now when you've been playing for four hours every night and you're really good at it the the code running the game has not i mean they, they patch it and stuff but like for the most part the titan and your ability to shoot like code wise in the game are the same after that six month period but you have put in enough hours to increase your skill level so far above where you were that like you can't be matched again like by somebody who doesn't have that same amount of experience so i think they kind of don't spend enough time uh like really communicating that that is really why you know cage as they call him in this film is 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 becoming as good as he is because he's literally putting in the effort to become that good um Mm -hmm. which that doesn't change the overall story but it definitely is one of those like themes in the story that is a very interesting concept like it's like i said it you know it borrows from the matrix um but it's still a really cool kind of idea Mm -hmm. if that makes sense um was somebody about to say anything Oh, no. I, not really. I mean, I was... So I don't think they explicitly communicate that, that it's through training that he gets better and better and better. But it seems pretty clear. I don't think the movie makes it seem like he's only good in a situation where he has lived this moment before. Yeah. I, I think 
certainly things toward the end make it clear that he's supposed to have gotten pretty badass on his own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. R- regardless. Yeah, so I, I, I felt that even if they kept it as subtext, like they didn't make it explicit the way the book did. Yeah, yeah I thought it was pretty clear that like through all the training montages that he was getting significantly better. I mean, like that the one scene, and I think it's in the trailer where he like runs around the uh, that one mound where like all of his buddies are, and just like taking out aliens, and everyone's like, "Oh, isn't that the new guy?" Like, Ur. yeah. Well, there, there's a lot more of that in the book, obviously, and like one thing too is um, the the creatures are described as like their skin is so thick and armor plated <clears throat> that like a normal like everybody has sidearms in this movie, but those sidearms would do like those are really just for killing yourself so that you don't get like horribly destroyed because those aren't going to do anything. You basically have like a huge mounted weapon on one arm and you have this thing called the pile driver, which shoots this rod at like a bajillion feet per second. And at close range, you just use the pile driver because that's the only thing that's going to penetrate their skin from far away. You can pick at them with this like big gun on your other arm. Um, and basically what happens is the uh, Rita and cage uh, they switch to using melee weapons. Like in this film, you know, Rita is does have like a sword. She kind of wields and swings around. But in 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 the book, they're these huge battle axes that are carved from the wings of planes. And uh, the idea is that just like blunt force trauma being swung by this device that creates like so much like inertia that it can break through the armor of of the actual mimics themselves are like the only weapon that really matters so just like you just have scenes of the two of them walking into the battlefield and just battle axing the crap out of mimics <laughs> repeatedly and just walking through while everybody else is like running around shooting and like dying they're just like beating the crap out of these mimics um and it, it's like you to get to that point you really have to like key into the training aspect of it as opposed to just the like oh i can aim better now than i could yesterday like no you have to be able to like anticipate the movement of the creatures and like all sorts of stuff that i don't know it just it's an aspect that definitely wasn't delved into as deeply in one of the coolest parts about all you need is kill make sense uh yes so one thing i'm curious uh and you don't need to really go into detail but i don't feel like the movie explained that well how he got in this situation I mean, it kind of it kind of shows him reporting, talking to this general, and then events transpire, and he wakes up here. But does the book make a little bit more of what kind of life he was living and why why he would be thrown into this situation? In the uh, book, he is just a regular uh, soldier. So the book okay. starts with him waking up in his bunk while these other guys are talking like his other soldier mates in his squad are on the other bunks talking and uh he actually he he wakes up to somebody asking him to sign this waiver like there's some humor and stuff in in this um in in the book also it's not just like totally like ah crazy stuff but in the book they have this thing where like they'll raid these liquor cabinets in like the officer's quarters or something like that and uh, before they go into battle, they have each person in their squad sign a confession that they were the ones who orchestrated the whole thing. So anybody who dies, they take that signed note and turn that in so that the rest of them don't get in trouble. The person who died is the one that did it. Um, mm-hmm. So like it opens with him waking up and somebody like, hey, can you sign this? Um, and it's like he's already in the loop kind of when it starts. Like it, it, basically the battle starts and he kind of gets into the loop. There's not like a lot of 
how he got to where he is and why he's participating in the war. He's already a soldier. He just happens to be not that great a soldier at the beginning of the book. Hmm. So he's not like a PR guy for the military. No, not at all. Okay. But I, 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 did, I did appreciate the fact that they didn't really dwell at all about uh, previous events. They kind of just jumped right in and was like, okay, shit's bad. And then, um, yeah, I guess, I guess in terms of seeing it play out on screen, it would make more sense that he's the character who he is in the movie and he's sort of thrust into a situation that he's not used to at all. And I think, I think you know, earlier I was talking about how I appreciate the changes that they made and, and the decisions behind them. And I think what that was for is because simply because they wanted to communicate his skill level from the beginning and communicate what exactly is happening on a global scale yeah. um, all in that opening scene. And that, that kind of allows them to do that in the book you start from like the night before the wars, the, the, the big battles are going to happen. And a few sections into the book, you actually get a chapter that is all about backstory of, of what exactly is going on and what started this all and, and how it, everything originated. So the, in a book, you know, you can kind of bounce around more freely and, and you're not going to be lost because the book starts with action and starts with craziness and, it builds it up the way the you know the author cared about presenting that information, but in a movie, you know, you kind of have to, you know, do the shorthand to get everybody caught up on exactly what's going on, and that you know having the intro start like that was an easy way to do that. Um, and I don't necessarily mean easy in a cop out way. I just mean that it was, it, it made it convenient to like you know kill a few birds with a single stone, um, <laughs> and do it that way. Yeah. Um, so one question for you guys, which I can't, I, I, we, it might, we might, uh, need to have a little spoilery conversation to delve into it a little bit deeper, but, um, were you guys put off at all by the ending? You mean the very, very ending? The very, very ending. Um, yes. Slight, well, I, I didn't entirely understand it, um, but I wouldn't, I wasn't put off by it. No, I, I I just felt like oh this is something I should ask Chris about when, <laughs> when we talk. <laughs> well, uh, we probably should have a little spoiler section then because I definitely really hated the ending, and I think that even if I try to uh, piece it together into what I thought they were going for, I think it still doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah, I was just curious because in both when both you guys were describing what you thought of the film, neither of you said like, oh, it was really awesome up until the end. So that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up. I mean, I did say it faltered in the third act, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't like the, the precise way it ended bothered me so much as it just, that was the one part where I didn't feel like I was completely tracking what was happening Yeah, yeah. in, in the movie. Carson? I, I, I didn't have a problem with how it ended. Uh, did I fully understand it? No, not really. But, uh... I definitely think that there are events that happen in the third act that I think raise the stakes pretty well. Um, but uh, yeah, I know I didn't have a problem with it. Like I, even if it doesn't completely make any sense, um, I don't think I still would have. Like I still think it's fine because I don't think that it's uh, something that 
so drastically changes the movie or or at least my opinion of the movie i don't think it's like it completely ruins it yeah yeah and i i I definitely don't think it does either it's just it's one of those things where i was kind of like what i I saw this with my roommate and like the first thing we talked about when we got back to the car was that scene and what the hell was going on there yeah so maybe maybe we should jump to spoilers soon because i i am curious about that scene all or right. if you have any idea what it's supposed to be. <laughs> well, like, like I said, I think I know what they thought it was supposed to be. But even like if if I'm correct, I still have the complaint that that doesn't make sense because of mm-hmm. X. Um, so it's like I, I think I see what they were going for, but I think they messed it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, but yeah, does anybody have any regular non-spoilery comments to say about the film? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I think I'm in this rare, rare case where the movie was just flat out good. <laughs> uh, so I can't, I can't pinpoint too much about it. Like, it's just worth seeing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, just, just echo what you guys said too. I didn't say anything specifically about Emily Blunt. I thought she was fantastic and like perfect in uh, the role of of uh, Rita like she um when they first announced her as the casting I like I kind of was like hmm I, I don't know if that was the best decision but then like the first time I saw her in the role I was like oh no this totally this totally works and having seen the film um I thought she was perfectly cast uh, d- had an awesome performance and um definitely uh balanced that like super badass yet very like feminine and attractive at the same time kind of thing uh in a in a very interesting way so hmm. though it would have been interesting to see like a rooney mara play <laughs> play this character <laughs> a girl with the dragon tattoo type uh type situation. <laughs> still in all of the girl with the dragon tattoo makeup and, and piercings and stuff yeah yeah which actually probably would have fit too with just the world as a whole like with the le- rest of the people in his squad um mm-hmm. yeah yeah would have yeah all right, so uh, should we just get on to our verdicts then, guys? Sure. Sure. Uh, all right, Carson, if you were going to give this a must-see, a recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I would easily give it a must-see, and I just thought of something uh, that I, w- I will echo what st- I think Stephen mentioned something about the, the exposition, uh, which I thought was handled really well. Like, I thought it was all necessary to move the plot along and it wasn't just you know all dialogue uh, or it wasn't like every line of dialogue was all exposition um it, it it felt natural to the story it wasn't just everything was explaining everything so yeah yeah i think it was a very tight tight script in that it revealed enough where you understand you know, this is the situation, these are the yeah. aliens, these are the rules by which we're governed, uh, and I think it revealed it at the right pace, um, where you can, it, it leaves you questioning for a little while, like, you don't feel like someone is just playing a Star Wars style, like, paragraph at the beginning of the movie to, to tell you what's going on. Um, yeah, I thought they handled that really well. Yeah, so I, I've definitely given a, a must-see. Cool. Steven? Uh, I'll echo Carson, and I think this is one of my first of the year uh, must-sees. 
I was almost tempted to give a caveat because I did think the ending was a little more flat. Not the very, very ending. To me, it was just the the final like 30 <laughs> final minutes mission. or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But honestly, it's a minor complaint. I think this movie, I have a lot of trouble imagining any of you would not enjoy it if you watched it. Uh, if so, it would be interesting to hear because I can't poke too many holes in it. So yeah, easy must-see for me. Yeah, it's 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 a must see for me. Also, I think really the I mean, besides the end ending, like the you know the the post post boss battle ending, um, sort of like the epilogue of the film, is really the only thing I can legitimately complain about. Everything else is more, uh, you know, more book reader talking about like this was still awesome, but not as awesome as it could have been type type of conversation. Um, so there's nothing really to be disappointed in the film by say for that little epilogue um but yeah i mean it's 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 a great ride it's um definitely uh yeah it's it's just i i I find it hard for somebody to go see this and not have fun in it and not be wowed by at least some of of the scenes like it's it's definitely got a good mix of comedy and and crazy action awesomeness all throughout I, I, I don't know how many times i said awesome in that sentence but um people should definitely be going to the theaters and checking this out especially because it feels like it's not tracking that crazily like i don't i know some people who are interested in seeing it but it wasn't like one of those things where everybody's like oh dude edge of tomorrow comes out this week yeah so. no it didn't have a huge huge opening i don't think no, it relatively came, speaking it came in at like number three uh, is maleficent still beating it yeah uh yeah, maleficent was two uh, yeah hurts me so much <laughs> you know what that's what ha- you know what you didn't tom cruise didn't have cancer and he wasn't in love with emily blunt so therefore teen girls didn't want to go watch it <laughs> are, are you saying the fault in our stars beat it yeah dude it made like 50 million this weekend crazy jeez Oy vey. but anyways um <laughs> we're not here to talk about the fault in our stars we're here to talk about the fault in our military forces as they try to fight against aliens um <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> right. So what we're going to do, as we tend to do sometimes, is we're going to finish wrapping up this show. Music's going to swell. When the music fades out, we're going to enter into spoiler territory. So Carson, why don't you tell people where they can find you throughout the week if they'd like to do that? Uh, you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Steven? You can go to sdavidmiller.com or twitter.com slash sdavidmiller. People can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. You can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning to figure out when these episodes go live. Or you can also like us at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com. You can use the form on our website at SpoilerWarning.com. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode comes from the soundtrack to Edge of Tomorrow. So hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yeah, like we said, in a few moments we're going to start Spoiler Territory. So if you're not sticking with us for that, hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you go out and see this movie and enjoy that. And uh, for the rest of you, we will see you in just a moment.
okay, so we are here now in spoiler territory. You can assume that anything said after these words is going to be big old spoilery talk for um, the ending of this film and maybe even some other moments strewn throughout. Uh, but yes, before I go into what I thought about what was happening at the very, very, very ending of this film, why don't we each go around and kind of state what we thought or if we just didn't care and didn't try to process what they thought was going on so carson what did you think was happening there uh i honestly have no fucking clue um (laughs) uh i just was like this movie was awesome uh i think my my erection was too hard and I just didn't care. Um, yeah, go you gotta be careful. You can, if you lose blood, then you uh, <laughs> you don't keep the the ability. Yes, I was too 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 <laughs> to mess it to care. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Unfortunately, right now only my penis can go back and talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be the that would be tip of tomorrow, not the edge. Um, uh, Oh, God. Uh, I, I just figured that I was confused because when he okay so he dies but he kills the the hive or whatever the mothership and um, the the goo or the the alpha goo uh, the alpha <laughs> the, blood the drip of tomorrow the drip yeah, yeah the ooze like it uh, got into him so then it clearly uh, reset him but he reset further back like it was like a day before uh he was used to resetting yeah um so i was just like okay and then uh, from what i understand is that they already knew about the uh the hive being at the uh the bottom of the louvre um from that little uh tv clip we get of brendan gleason saying like something about uh They've detected like heat signals underneath Paris or something. There was, like a, there was a power surge. Yeah, power uh-huh. surge. Yeah. Um, so then that got me thinking. Well, okay, so they kind of already know that now we have the the upper hand. Um, and then uh, yeah, like and then he goes to see Emily Blunt, and I was just like, okay, I guess he's laughing because it's just same old, same old with uh. The full metal bitch. I don't know. Like I, so I'm clearly just dumb and don't know. But uh, all right, well, well St- Stephen, do you have any more to bring to the table? I mean, not, not a whole lot. I was tra- again the thing that I did not understand. The main thing that threw me through a loop is that he went back in time a day earlier than he normally does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was trying right now to justify why, and I was thinking, well, this did take place at night this Paris scene, which means was it supposed to be the evening before? And that's why he gets an extra 24 hours, but it doesn't because it shows Bill Paxton, like wondering where the soldiers are in the morning. So it's clearly the same day that this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. So why does he get an extra bump in his powers? Maybe because he got more goo in him. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it's quantity of goo i don't i don't think so they <laughs> don't equals, really discuss the goo how many dynamics. days you get to go reset no they don't discuss the alpha jizz dynamics too much yeah, so that's I'm not right we, do we need like a an ehrlich uh, algorithm f- like the how yeah. they did at the end of silicon valley 
uh, for the anyway, goo it, ratio. It was also, yeah, okay, so he gets the goo, which means he gets to reset the day. But if he resets the day, then it, it didn't happen. Like, what what he just did didn't happen anymore. No. Yeah. So why is it that now he can reset the day, but the change has taken effect? Is it because this brain is like a space-time thing, and it it isn't bound to that one time if you kill it in any timeline that it's gone forever? I... I that's what I didn't understand. Well, and maybe I got... like the the power surge was him killing it, and then like in an alternate timeline they detected it. I don't know. Well, let, let me let me break down what we know from the film as fact, and then I will go into taking some of the stuff from the book and feeding it into this. Because first of all, the book ends completely differently. Um, there, in in the so going okay so little bit of information before I try to go into the information the film has. So, in the book, there aren't, uh, there aren't regular mimics, uh, an alpha mimic, and an omega mimic. The way it works is there are mimics. Some of the mimics are uh, referred to as satellites, and some are referred to as servers. So, mm-hmm. there, it, it's not completely explained. It's still a little bit ambiguous, but essentially, when you kill a server it releases that tachyon pulse which is transferred back to um uh through the satellites into the past to where it's received before the events take place and then they make different decisions at that point so mm-hmm. the mimics might attack a location we nuke them and they all die but that signal gets sent back relayed through the satellites and um, received before the attack ever starts and they make a different decision and so we're actually seeing Days of Future Past style alternate events taking place that technically aren't so the, the, the failed attack never takes place because yeah, yeah, yeah. they made it's a just better a hypothetical huh? it's just a hypothetical that you get to to watch basically yeah yeah so they, they receive the knowledge of how it ends before they do it so um that so in in the book um they start to realize that okay so we have to kill the equivalent of the omega which is the server but before we can kill the server we have to take out all the satellites so they can't relay that signal back and then if you so if you kill a bunch of mimics kill all the satellites and then kill that server last there is nowhere um for that signal to be relayed off into the past and mm-hmm. you end the loop yourself. So they the the whole blood dynamic in this film is something completely invented for this story and done in uh, and to, to their credit, they create a really interesting high stakes moment where you realize that there's a chance that if you don't die, you can end up losing um this ability, which um I applaud them for because that added a really interesting uh, uh, aspect to like you said that the uh, Stephen you were talking about how that 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 third act um, kind of slowed things down and while the events taking place in the scene were slowed down a bit I think the stakes are still raised because you know at that point that he can't actually loop um, that mm-hmm. if he fails like it's failed for good um, so I thought yeah. that there was a good balance between um, the stakes versus the actual event itself being less intriguing. And that's what I was referring to when I said that the the stakes were uh, raised considerably in the third act. Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah, when def- he, definitely? And I yeah, 
and I can't put my finger on what I mean. When I say it slowed down, it isn't that like I needed the action to be cranked up to 11 or something. It's more just that we've been watching him relive the same thing and incrementally improve on the mission. And then all of a sudden it becomes wildly different. And something about that, the scenes in Paris where he's doing these things, the action, it just didn't quite click for me. I, I don't know how to explain it. It felt like a different movie almost. Yeah. Um, or like, look, we need a big grand finale, but it it didn't live up to how tightly executed the rest had been. Yeah. But 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 that was a minor minor issue. It but I definitely it, like even, even that story wise, technically all that other stuff was only executed so tightly because they did it so many times. Right, yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, no, that's e- true. even there's a there's a story excuse for why that all felt so tight. Mm-hmm. But uh, beyond that, so let, let let me get back to this this ending of how how the movie's playing out. So what we know based on his first interactions with the people talking about what Rita had done is that there was some big battle that was taking place in Verdun and much like in, you know, Independence Day, once they take down that first ship, they can communicate to everybody else to go, hey, we know how to bring these guys down now, start this massive attack everywhere else. So the battle that Tom Cruise is taking part in for the first time is a battle that is happening because of this minor victory they had over in Verdun. So Mm -hmm. um, the way I am interpreting what what they were trying to communicate with the film is that we start this battle on this beach um, and the first time we attack theoretically it goes not necessarily great but you know there, there there's a chance that we somehow could have actually done some damage to the mimics so the mimics using their mimic ability reset that and set up an ambush for us to attack. When we do this ambush is when Tom Cruise first gets the ability. He, hijack, he hijacks that power. And uh, mm-hmm. he then starts a new set of loops. When they go and kill the Omega, my assumption is what they're trying to communicate is that it resets to the first loop. Um, so to right before... So basically, it takes it back as far as they've started recording. Recording. So if you think of this in in uh, sands of time standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, it empties out all the sand in the dagger and takes them back to the furthest part at point it can't thir- furthest part it can, which is in book terminology thirty hours before the first time the loop started, um, mm-hmm. which would be the night before when he first is arriving in the UK. Um, so. My understanding from this presentation is that there will be no loops after that loop takes place because it's reset before loops could be a thing. Mm-hmm. And mm. the problem with this, like, so that that's what I think they're going for, which, you know, so he's meeting her for the first time in her head and he's going to go like, hey, we did it. You know, everything after the credits is like, hey, we did it. We've ended the loops. We killed the Omega. Um, now we can go win this war because we're super badass and let's go kill him. Like, that's what they're trying to do at the end of the film. The problem is that the battle that he reset to is the battle that takes place after the Battle of Verdun, which they have established is when uh, Rita was looping. So theoretically, if killing the Omega reset to the first time the Omega looped in the first place, it should take us back to before 
Rita's first battle when she killed the Alpha and gained the power of the Omega. Make sense? I I think so. I I guess you're putting a logic to it that I didn't feel. <laughs> the the closest I felt was that because this was a bigger explosion, <laughs> it went back further. Yeah, man, he got more goo, so therefore more uh, more days going well, back. See, and they, past. they they established that when the alpha dies, the omega sends the signal. Yeah. So theoretically, regardless of how much goo he falls into, the Omega should always have its full ability to reset its own alpha that distance. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think that there's anything in their rules that would explain that the alpha ha- or the Omega has power any greater than that. Well, and I also don't. Uh, so I, I understand that, but I don't know why. There's nothing plot-wise that required him to go back an extra 24 hours. Um, th- like, why did they do it? it? It would make perfect sense to me if he woke up in the military barracks like every other day, and then things have changed. Like, it, it feels like they did this wonky thing with time unnecessarily. Like, it didn't further anything script-wise, uh, w- which was kind of the strange aspect of the decision to me actually you know what i just realized what it was i figured it out mm-hmm. um so you know we're already in spoiler territory so full-blown spoilers for the film at the beginning of this uh you know colonel gleason asks him to rally the troops for like basically do this big pr push to teach all the troops that this war is necessary and we have to do it and you should all volunteer and enlist that we can kill these bad guys. Instead, he tries to blackmail him. He gets labeled as a traitor and gets forcefully put into this uh, troop regiment. Um, So if they reverse to before he was labeled a traitor, then now the badass version of him can actually go out and accomplish the PR stuff and become the the big rallying force that gets everybody to fight behind him. Um, so the, uh, it sounds to me like they did it because the script. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like it seems like the, what they wanted to do is re like they had to make him become a soldier from being this PR guy. And they do that by destroying his character and making him the type of person that nobody would rally behind. So they reversed it far enough back that in theory, he could be this awesome soldier that, that you know the guy wanted him to be in the first place um okay but but i guess even more so going back to the mechanism of this is kind of like the inverse grandmother problem or grandfather problem where now in the future he kills this omega this server and i still don't understand why if if the server, the only thing this can do is use tachyons to send a signal back in time, why does this retroactively destroy server from two days ago? Well, I actually... Like, like what, what in the dynamics of the book or the movie would allow this to happen? In, in, so, in, in the, so, in the book... So, okay, first of all, you guys make a call. I, I've tried to explain mechanics of the book, but there's a pretty badass revelation at the end of the book that happens. Um, so you guys make the call whether I should... Just spoil it. Yeah, I, I, I don't care. <laughs> okay, well, 
for the next 30 seconds, 45 seconds, for the next minute, if you are planning on reading this book and you don't want to be spoiled, then uh, mute this or skip forward about a minute or so. Um, so starting now. Um, basically, in the book, uh, they go around and they kill everything and they're, they're pretty much like, okay, I think we have comp- accomplished it. And then Rita starts attacking Cage or Kiji as he's called in the book because... He's actually Japanese, and the Americans just think it's pronounced cage, but it's... Anyways, uh, so she just starts attacking him, and he realizes that when he took over the power, he became one of the antennas, so as long as both of them are still alive, time can still reset, so he has to fight her because she's trying to kill him, because she's trying to end the loop, and he ends up killing her. And there's nothing to be able to send the signal back now. So he persists from that moment forward as the, I forget what the Americans label him, but you know, she, she was the, um, uh, the full metal bitch and she wore red armor because she wanted to stand out on the battlefield because she wanted everything to fight her because then she Mm -hmm. could just kick the shit out of everything. So he ends up painting his suit sky blue because that was like her favorite color. And from that point forward, he goes off to keep fighting the the war as like the rage cage or whatever the hell he's supposed to be known as. <laughs> um, so there is no porting back to before an event t- takes place one last time in the book. It's just though we've done it. There will no longer be any loops. Now let's go kill these mimics. Like that's right. so- sort of the 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 way the book handles it so it still has that like there's lots to follow this moment type of ending but it's more of a we've ended the cycle now let's win the war Um, yeah and that's how i would have expected it to happen yeah so i i I think that what they were just trying they were trying to borrow the same kind of thing but reset uh, really what it comes down to is ending they they didn't want uh they didn't want emily blunt's character to get killed yeah. Mm-hmm. So they reverse time so that they can be together and alive. Um, yeah, if that makes sense. And that in the very end, she does not remember who he was, I'm assuming. She doesn't, or, but all he has... Okay, so that's, that's another thing. So in the book... <laughs> oh, why doesn't he ever say her middle name, by the way? I thought he was supposed to say that. You know, they set that up so perfectly for him to walk up and say, like... Your middle name is Rose. Yeah. What, what, what's, what's and real, it never happens. What's really funny, too, is, you know the scene in the movie where uh, she's stealing his battery pack? Yeah. Um, well, in the book, the first time he meets her, he's, like, laying face down on the ground, and she touches, like, they have these things where you can, because their suits are more enclosed, I guess, and you can put your hand on somebody's shoulder, and it activates a comm so you can talk into their helmet, um, so that way, if you're not already on their frequency, you can just, like, give them an immediate communication. And she asks him whether uh, green tea is actually served for free at the end of meals in like Asian restaurants. Um, And uh, when he first meets her after going back through a loop, she's like, oh, do I have something in my face? What the hell do you want? And he's like, oh, I have an answer to your question. And she's like, what question? And he goes, yes, green tea is served at the end of our meals in Asian restaurants or whatever. And then she breaks into tears because she knows for the first time that that's a person who is experiencing because what she experienced and that for the first time she can actually talk to him uh, like it's something that she's kept to herself because that's all, nobody would understand it or get it and for the first time she's met somebody so like when they introduced this whole middle name rose thing i was like 
okay, so that's what they're going to do since they're clearly not going the green tea route. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then they didn't use it. So I was like, what the hell? Why did you not use that? Yeah, it, it seemed, seemed weird that they, they set it up and didn't use it. So maybe that was like what, like when they fit what when they cut the black and the and the credit start roll maybe that's when he actually says it maybe i assumed i I just knew i thought it was gonna happen i was so sure he was gonna say it yeah but he kind of smiled so maybe he knew like yeah that was us supposed to be putting two and two together like oh he's got her now he's gonna impress her i don't know he should have like strewn up on a boat and then can be like get on board she's like i don't even know you and he's like get on the boat rose (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> would have been great yeah totally <laughs> but anyway yeah anyways uh does anybody have any other last comments or questions uh no i guess not i guess nope. we're all explained now even though it's still somewhat well, confusing kind of, we're explained why they wanted it to happen we're not explained <laughs> like that it makes any sense right yeah yeah i, I think but I mean, it, it certainly didn't it didn't hurt the movie too much for me. It's no. like the very end. It's the epilogue. It's like saying the the Harry Potter epilogue hurts it. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Just just ignore it. Nah, he just went home. I, I think or that... like Scrubs season nine destroys the rest. Just <laughs> pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> just pretend, yeah. They're, they're... Well, I, I think the general gist is that, you know, they win. They they get the upper hand and that Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt live happily uh, are after. reunited. <laughs> reunited. But I, I will say there there is one... I was I was hoping they were going to keep it in the movie, but they didn't. Um, there is this one hilarious, uh, like time related joke in the book to where uh, one of his bunkmates in his squad uh, sees that he's reading this mystery novel that he can't finish because he's you know like too busy because they're in the middle of a war. Um, but this buddy of his keeps spoiling the like the secret of this mystery novel, and there's a chapter that starts with him waking up. And just shooting that guy, and then it skips to the next chapter. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Like I, that's that's a good a good little gag. It's because he just wakes up, he's like, yeah, screw this guy, and then starts the next day. <laughs> nice. But anyways, that's this review. Thank you guys for joining me. Yeah, sure. Boy, Anytime. We're, we're, we've been tomorrowed. <laughs> yes, yes, we have. I just realized, by the way, that Emily Blunt was in this and Looper. I don't know why I didn't think about that before. Yeah, <laughs> but two like two extremely time travel heavy movies. Yeah, I, I said I said Looper too. Like I said, yeah, no, I know, yeah. I know. I, I thought about Looper. I just you, forgot. You were she was too in busy it. trying to connect all the puns. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about you. Yeah, I wasn't listening. <laughs> I didn't even use a couple puns. I had a. Uh, Oh, I said t- you, Tom Cruise was great, but there were a few good men in this movie. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't cram that one in. Aww. But, you know. 